Proverbs chapter 4, and also Proverbs chapter 14, and we've been talking about the heart this week, the condition of the heart, and the importance of the heart. And notice these phrases here in Proverbs 4, and also in Proverbs 14. First of all, this is a very familiar portion of Scripture to us. Most charismatics, that is. When he says here, verse 20, My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. And verse 23 goes on to say, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Now in this very famous healing portion of Scripture, telling us that God's words are medicine to all of our flesh, healing or health to all of our flesh, he emphasizes to us that we are to keep our heart. Other translations bring out the idea of guard your heart, protect your heart, keep your heart above all that you keep, one says. Why? Why, why does he stress this so much? Why does he put so much importance on keeping your heart? And when he says keep your heart, what does he mean keep it? Keep it what? Keep it in the right condition. Amen. Keep it in the right shape. Keep it in the right condition. Protect it. Don't let bad things get into it. Don't, don't let it get in a poor condition. Keep it. Why? Because out of it, out of your heart, are the issues of life. Or you could say it like this. Out of it comes your healing. Amen? Now, not just healing, because that's just life manifested in the physical man. But there's life. we need life in every part of our being, don't we? We need life in our mind. We need life in our soul, our emotional realm. We need life in every part of our being. How many know the life of God is bigger than any problem that you've got? Amen. The life of God can, can recreate body parts, can, can restore damaged body parts. Amen. Recreate nerves, tissue, muscles, bones, organs. The life of God created all things to begin with, and certainly the life of God could restore and heal all things. Amen. And that life comes from God, and it comes from God's Spirit. But the Spirit of God dwells in our spirit, or in our heart. And so the life that, that God is and the life that God's Spirit ministers to us, if we need life in our flesh... Where's he at? He's in our spirit. So that light's going to come through our spirit to affect our flesh. And that's why he says, keep your heart above all that you keep for out of it. Out of it. Now, not out of it as a source per se, but out of it as a channel. In other words, my, my spirit is not the creator of the Zoe life of God. Right? And yet, the Holy Spirit who is the life of God, lives in me, in my spirit. And so therefore, life comes out of my spirit. We need life to affect our flesh and our mind, as we've already said, but also you need to be so full of life that life flows through you 
to others and affects their life. Amen. And you're not going to be that much good to other people if you're not full of life so that you can have abundance of life to minister to others. Amen. So if your heart's not right and if the condition of your heart's not good, that's going to hinder you personally. And it's going to restrict the flow of life to you, your body, your mind, your soul. But beyond that, if it's restricted to you personally, well, it's certainly going to be restricted as far as flowing out to others. Amen. And, and we talked for a little bit yesterday about how that, uh, the, you know, the Word of God teaches that Jesus is the vine and we are the branches and how that we're supposed to abide in Him and maintain a constant living communion with Him because our life comes from Him. And now the enemy is always working to try to throw in some kind of, uh, of, uh, of blockage between you and Him. The enemy is always working on you to cause you to become offended, unbelieving, hardened, a whole, whole bunch of different things so that you have heart problems that restrict the flow of God to you. And of course, as we said, if it affects you, it'll affect God moving through you to others. Look with me at this 14th chapter of Proverbs, our other verse of Scripture that we've been noticing. Let's notice it again. Verse 30, Proverbs 14, 30. It says, A sound heart is the life of the flesh. A sound heart is the life of the flesh. If, there, if there's no problems in the heart, the heart, I mean, the, the, the heart is full of the love of God, full of the joy of God, full of the faith of God, full of the fruit of the Spirit, full of the Spirit of God. Is that going to affect your life? <laughs> it's going to affect your body. I said your body. It's going to affect your mind. It's going to affect your soul. It's going to affect your finances. It's going to affect your marriage. It's going to affect your home. It's going to affect your ministry. It's going to affect everything. You see New Testament terminology that, that reveals that over in 3 John 2. Where he says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you'd prosper. That's material and financial prosperity. And be in health. That's physical condition. How? Even as your soul prospers. That, now that's prosperity of the inward man. So the soul's part of the inward man. Isn't that right? I mean, we, we, we could divide up man in three parts, but you could also divide him up in two parts, depending on what you're talking about. Outer man, inner man. And the inner man is composed of spirit and soul. Amen. But if the inward man is prospering, that's definitely going to affect the outward man. Now we said to you that many times people like to imagine that even though they're having all kind of major problems on the outside, they like to imagine that they are in perfect harmony with God as far as the inward man is concerned. But so many times it just simply is not the case. Because the inward condition affects the outward condition. And even if the outward condition is not good, uh, the inward man, the Spirit of God, the life of God flowing inside of you can affect and change the outward conditions. Can you say amen? Spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us and he will quicken, quicken, make full of life our mortal bodies. Amen. And so we've been talking about these things. we talked about many different conditions of heart. 
I mean, just I'll, I'll review some of them just real quickly again. The Bible talks about a pure heart, a humble heart, a hard heart, a doubtful heart, honest heart, good heart, troubled heart, fearful heart, evil heart, faint heart, established heart, deceived heart, a condemned heart, a wise heart, a steadfast heart, broken heart, willing heart, merry heart, heavy heart, glad heart, and perfect heart. Amen? Just to name a few. It's a big subject. If you took each one of them and dealt with it, man, it'd take you weeks, I guess, to touch on all of them because it's a big subject. If, you, if, you, if, you, if you're not sure, just go to the concordance. Look up the word heart. <laughs> and if you look at all of them, you're going to be reading a while. But uh, the, obviously, this is a very, very important subject for the Bible to give this much space to this subject, per se. The heart. Amen. We are a spirit, we have a soul, we live in a body. What's the most important part of our being? Our heart, our spirit. Amen. Most important part. And so we talked about uh, these, these elements. And then uh, yesterday we talked about the fact, asked this question, we said, can a Christian, born again, spirit-baptized individual, can they have heart problems? And the reason I bring that up is because it seems that, that sometimes people almost want to elevate the, the recreated human spirit uh, to the level of, uh, uh, what shall I say, inerrancy. As far as, you know, that the, the human spirit is, is like God, cannot make a mistake or cannot, cannot fail. But we, we looked and saw that uh, born-again, spirit-baptized people had heart problems. Amen. And, uh, you know, to say, can, can you have heart problems is to say, can you have problems? Because you are your heart. Sometimes we, we get confused about this, you know. So, you know, well, I, my, my spirit can't have problems. What do you mean my spirit can't? You are your spirit. You understand? Sometimes we, we get funny thinking when you talk about spiritual things. And so we saw Ananias and Sapphira in the first church at Jerusalem. And they're born again, spirit baptized. Amen. All indications point to that. And yet they had real heart problems. The Bible said that they allowed the enemy to fill their heart with, with these bad things so that they lied to the Holy Ghost and to God. We saw, uh, you know, Simon the sorcerer, how that we know for sure he was born again. The Bible says in very specific language that he was saved. And all indications point to the fact that he was had also received the Holy Ghost and he's wanting to buy a ministry gift, and Peter told him, he said, your heart's not right in the sight of God. Here's an individual that's saved, and yet his heart's not right. Doesn't mean he wasn't saved, but how many know you can be saved and your heart not be right? This has been a confusing issue for some people. You can be saved and your heart not be right in the sight of God. Ask the question, can a Christian have heart problems? The answer is yes, yes. Jesus said, from within, out of the heart, come evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, etc., etc., etc. So many times we just call these, well, we're just having flesh problems. And Jesus said, it's heart problems. Heart problems. Something to think about, huh? But today I told you, unless the Lord led me another direction, that we're going to talk about examining the heart. Finding out what kind of condition the heart is in and how to do it. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. And so let's do that. 
In talking about these things, talking about examining the heart, I want you to go with me to, uh, to Hebrews, the fourth chapter. Hebrews chapter 4. How can we tell what condition our heart's in? How many know you need to monitor your heart? You need to keep up with what condition your heart's in. You just, I mean, just on a regular basis, you need to check your heart. Did you know that? Uh, I don't know, some way or another, I, I got started it. I guess you know, I heard Brother Hagin teach along some of these lines and different things and, and just got started it. And it's, it's just a habit of mine. I check my heart just regularly. You know, you, got, you start to go to do this or you start to do that. And, I, and you need to check your heart because uh, wrong motives can slip in. You can let wrong motives and, and, and wrong thinking slip in. Wrong feelings, and of course we're not just living in a in a, in a world where things are, are always the same. Things are changing every day. Encounters with people and people are are changing, and and you have things to work through and things to deal with. And, and it's real easy to say the right thing on the outside, but but still have problems in your heart. How I many know that's true? Have a little run in with somebody, you see, and, and get over it on the outside, but on the inside you're not over it. Well, see, that's no good. It's not enough that you just talk nice. You've got to change your heart. Amen. Sometimes people quibble about that and they say, well, I can't, I can't help it. That's a lie. I said, that's a lie. Sometimes the reason you know that people just go on month after month after month and they got things in their heart, it just is an unwillingness to forgive people. That's what it boils down to. Unwillingness to turn things loose and let them go. Forget them. Go on. You know, if you're going to keep your heart clear, you have to be quick to forgive. Quick to forgive. And boy, this is a big key in, in, in walking in health and staying healed. You just need and expect to, to, to stay healthy if you're going to hold grudges. I said you just need and expect to stay healthy if you're going to hold grudges against people. It, it doesn't work that way. Because, see, the, the new commandment of the New Testament is to walk in love. Amen. And if you don't walk in love, which means walking in love includes forgiving people, letting things go. Amen. Somebody said, well, how can I tell whether I've, I've let it go or not? Here's, one of the, here's, here's a sure sign. If you keep talking about it, keep bringing it up, you had not got rid of it. Amen. If you keep bringing it up, keep talking about it, keep thinking about it, you had not got rid of it. But I tell you one thing, if you just purpose make up your mind to quit thinking about it and not let yourself talk about it, and if anybody else brings it up, you change the subject. You just refuse to get on it. After a while, it'll come up to you less and less. You'll think about it less and less, and you'll get clear of it and free of it. Amen. But if you're going to talk with this one about it and talk with that one about it and bring up how old sister so-and-so did me and how this one did me and how this and that, then uh, you, you're going to keep things in your heart. That's going to hinder you. That's going to block uh, part of the life of God from flowing in your life. We need, we need to have a clear heart, don't we? Well, how can we find out what condition our heart's in? Number one, we've already uh, done this and talked about this a little bit. We can pray and ask God to examine us and help us. We've already done that first of the week. The scripture that we used was Psalm 139, 23. 
Psalm 139, verse 23, where uh, where the psalmist said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, you see. See if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So it is scriptural and right to pray and ask the Lord, Lord, examine me and try my heart. Help me to see if there's anything wrong in my heart. It's scriptural to pray and ask the Lord to reveal to you your condition of heart. And, of course, when you pray, you should pray in faith, shouldn't you? Expecting him to answer your prayer. Pray in faith, believe in you receive when you pray. So prayer, we've already done that and talked about that to a degree. So that, that's an important point. Ask the Lord to show you, help you to see your heart. Now, you know, you, you have to really mean that, though. <laughs> you know? You have to really mean that. Sometimes people say things, but they don't really mean it. You know, I've had people uh, ask me before, you know, things. They say, well, now, Brother Keith, you know, if, if there's anything you, you feel like you could talk to me about or, uh, or help me with, you know, I, I want you to tell me. But uh, I knew they wasn't ready to talk about it. I mean, that's happened I, any number of times. But then on the other hand, sometimes people are. They really are. But you understand what I'm saying? It's not just a matter that you say that. It's a matter that your heart really is in that position. Amen. And uh, <laughs> I've had some individuals that I have talked to along some lines before. Uh, some of them, you know, and uh, one of them told me that one time. I looked at him. I said, you mean that? He said, uh, uh, I think so. <laughs> I said, okay. Not too, not too much longer, I brought something up to him. He thought, oh. I said, what you mean? But he was in position to talk about it. Did you know, you can only receive correction according to how much your faith and your humility will allow. That's an important point. You can only receive correction to the degree your faith and your humility will allow. Now, I haven't digressed because we're talking about conditions of heart. And if you've got heart problems, first step to, to getting them changed is you've got to see what condition the heart's in. Isn't that right? And you've got, to be, you've got to be able to look at it honestly and humbly and in faith. Let me talk about those two points just, just for a moment. Humility. You, got, you, you can only be corrected according to how much your humility will allow. You have to humble yourself and look at the truth. A lot of times people's pride won't allow them to look at it. They just refuse to look at it. You've got to humble yourself, and if it's true, admit it. And look at it. But you know, it's not just that. It's not just a matter of admitting it and looking at it. Looking at it. You, you've got to have faith to deal with it. Elsewise, you just look at it in despair. There's no need, no, no need in pointing something out to someone if they don't have faith to overcome it. It's better just to wait. I don't know if you know all I mean by that or not. But you, 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 have, to, uh, you have to be humble enough to look at it and admit it and say, Yep, yep, that's right. I've just thought wrong. I've had a stinky attitude. I mean, you know what I mean by that? 
I have just had a lousy attitude. You got to be humble enough to admit that, but then you have to have enough faith to say, but I'm not going to keep it. I can change. I can overcome that. God will help me. God will show me. Now let me show you what if you didn't have enough faith. You'd look at it and go, I have a lousy attitude. Oh, <laughs> why am I that way? I don't know what to do. And just despair. That's lack of faith. You understand? So you've got to have both components. Enough humility to look at it and accept it even if it's not complimentary. Even if it's not pretty. <laughs> and you've got to have enough faith to say no matter what it is, with God's help I can overcome it. No matter what it is, no matter how long it's been that way, I can change. Amen. If I've been doubtful, if I've been a scaredy cat, if I've been intimidated, if I've been hard-hearted, if I've been insensitive, if I've been whatever, I can change with God's grace and God's help. You know, sometimes people get real, you know, and this, this comes back to pride. Sometimes, you, you, you know, I've talked with people before about something, and they just say so adamantly, well, yeah, but that's just the way I am. So? <laughs> what do you mean? Well, that's the way I, like this is something holy and sacred. This is the way I am. This is me. You weren't always that way. You came into this world a blank sheet of paper. Are you listening? And you have developed and cultivated your ways from the time you were small until now. And I don't, and people say, well, well, but this is just me. If you don't, if you don't like this, this is the way I am. If you don't like this and you just don't like me. Well, why take the attitude that the way you are is etched in granite? Yeah, but you don't understand, brother. I've been this way for 40 years. So? Change. Amen. Well, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Now, Brother Keith, you give yourself more credit. You're not an old dog. You're a new creature in Christ. Amen. Child of God. Son of God. You know, be careful about saying, well, now that's just the way I am. Well, big deal. Change. Amen. Amen. Everybody say, I can change. I can change. With God's help, With God's help I, can change. I can change. Amen. You can be a nicer person to live with and get around. You can. All of us have had our ways that we needed to modify. Some ways we need to lose. <laughs> some others we need to change and then we need to acquire some new ways isn't that right? and I'm talking about yes this involves renewing of the mind but it also involves the heart you know the mind and the heart are closely linked they function together sometimes we separate them for teaching purposes but the mind and, and the heart they work together constantly your spirit expresses itself through your soul, your mind, your emotions, through your body. 
We divided up spirit, soul, and body, three parts to talk about and teach, but you function as one unit. But examining the heart, God will help us if we pray and ask. But a second point is, here is that the Word of God reveals the heart. The Word of God reveals the heart. Here in Hebrews, the fourth chapter, familiar portion of Scripture to many, look at it in Hebrews 4.12. It says, For the Word of God is quick, it means it's alive, and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You see here that, the, that it says specifically that the word discerns the intentions of the heart. Amen. The thoughts and the intentions are intents of the heart. One of the best things in the world you could do to examine your heart is to read the Bible with a very open mind and heart. Amen. And as you read through the Bible stories in the Old Testament and read through the life of Jesus and, and the epistles, you will see certain truths and certain situations come up that, that, that reveal the hearts of the characters and reveal situations. And as, as you see those things, you'll be able to examine your own heart in the light of that. Amen? There's been different times I've been reading along at different individuals and how they operated in faith and how they did this and that. Boy, it just stirs my heart. Because that's, that's the way I want to be. Amen? Amen? Full of faith. No doubt. Amen? No, you know, and a heart of integrity. And as you read the Gospels, you get, a, you, you get to see glimpses all through it of Jesus' heart. And of the heart of God. And that's what God's called all of us, to have a heart after his own heart. Amen? We're to, we're to have a heart like God's heart. Amen? Hold as important what he holds as important. Perceive things through his eyes. Think like he thinks. That, that's our goal. No, we don't claim to have arrived. I, think, I don't think the most experienced elder among us would claim to have arrived but we should have that as our goal. To be like-minded to the Lord. Have the same kind of heart. Have the same kind of heart for people that he has. Have the same kind of heart for situations that he has. Have, not just, not just quote some verses out of the Bible, but have his heart. Amen. That's another way of saying have his spirit. His spirit is in us. But it's up to us how much we allow His Spirit to affect our heart. Amen. Reading the Bible. How many of reading the Bible solves a lot of problems? Just reading the Bible. Christians should read the Bible constantly. Amen. Read the Bible. What part? All of it. The whole thing's important. Every part's there with, for a different purpose and different reason. We need all of it. 
And as you're reading along and light dawns upon your heart, you begin to see things in your heart. The, the light of God shines on you. The Bible said, awake you know, and rise from the dead and Christ will give you light. Amen. And the light of God shines on our heart. And as, we spend, as, we, as we're just reading the Bible and just uh, and letting the Spirit of God work with us, we can see things in our heart. A lot of times we see, huh, I've I got to change that. Or sometimes you'll see an area in your heart that's good and it'll encourage you. Amen. How many of us not all correction? <laughs> no, no, it's not. But even the correction is good. Because the Lord, if he shows something to you that needs to be changed, he doesn't stop there. He shows you how to do it and shows you the results from it and the victory in it. And you're, you're excited even though you got corrected. Amen. Amen. That's the way his spirit is. That's the way his spirit does. Praise God. So the word of God, the word of God, it'll help you to distinguish and divide between the soul and the spirit. It's the only thing I'm aware of that, that can distinguish and divide between soul and spirit. Some people imagine that they can just kind of look down inside themselves and go, this is my soul, this is my spirit. No. No. I've found from just my own personal past experience, it's, it's very easy to get confused. You know, and to imagine that, that this is the spirit of God dealing with me about something and, and some things can be your own soul. You want it. You want it so bad, you want it to be God. <laughs> All the other way around, you don't want it to be God. <laughs> but what will help you, what will help you draw the line between spirit and soul and say this is it and this is what you're supposed to go with? The Bible. The Word. Amen? Which one does the, what, what does the Word substantiate? What does the word back up? Well, then that's what's right. Put the other aside, no matter what you want. Put it aside. Easier said than done. Some of the toughest lessons, I think personally, some of the toughest lessons you ever learn are the lessons about dividing spirit and soul. But they're some of the best lessons, and they're some of the things that cause you to mature and grow up and develop real godly character. What it, what it requires is putting the flesh under. Dying to some things. That's what the Bible talks about when it talks about mortifying, crucifying, and these kind of words. I mean, that's in the New Testament too. <laughs> and in those situations, you learn to distinguish. And then that helps you tremendously in being led by the Spirit. But the Word of God helps you to ascertain the condition of heart. Thirdly, and this is a very important point here. If you want to discern the condition of the heart, listen to the mouth. Go with me back to Matthew, the 12th chapter. Matthew chapter 12. We'll begin in verse 33. Matthew 12:33. It begins by saying, either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by his fruit. In other words, if you got bad fruit, what kind of tree is it? 
bad tree. Got good fruit, it's a good tree. Verse 34, O generation of vipers. Now that's, you know, you've got to understand he's talking to the Pharisees here. You don't necessarily receive that to yourself. <laughs> Amen. Unless, perchance, you were thinking and talking like them. And I guess it could be applicable there. But, but O generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? If, you're, if, if, you're, if your heart's evil, what will you speak? Evil things. Well, let's turn it around. If you're speaking evil things... That says something about the condition of your heart. Let's go on. It says, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. It's a truth, isn't it? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Now, notice he's careful to say uh, the abundance of the heart. In other words, if just a sprinkling of something's in your heart, it's not necessarily going to affect your mouth that much, but out of the abundance... If you have a lot of it in your heart, then it's going to come out of your mouth. If you get enough of it in you, it's going to come out of your mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, as one preacher said, the mouth leaketh. <laughs> or speaketh. Amen. He said, a good man, out of the good treasure of the heart, bringeth forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, and of course evil, we could say instead of evil, we could say bad. Bad treasure brings forth evil or bad things. So if your heart's full of good things, you'll be bringing out of your mouth good things. If your heart's full of bad things, you'll be bringing out of your mouth bad things. You have a treasure or a deposit of things in your heart. And out of that treasure, whatever is, is the most in your heart, that will be coming out of your mouth. And that's something that, that we've learned here at Healing School, different ones of us working with individuals. We, we've realized that the, the most important thing is the condition of the heart. Faith is the victor that overcomes the world. If you can get somebody's heart full of faith in the Word of God, amen, they get in faith and stay in faith, they'll have victory. They'll be healed. No ifs, ands, maybes, or buts. It'll happen. Amen. But that's the issue. And so how can you, how can you tell? Well, it, I'll be real honest with you. It wasn't, it, it wasn't always very clear to me how to try to see what, what a person's heart was at. But it's getting clearer all the time. Some things are just real obvious. But we try to, we make them too complicated if we're, if we're not careful. You know, folk do that a lot with spiritual things. They, they, they make them too complex, too complicated. You know, the Word of God says knowledge is easy to him that has understanding. Easy. What does that mean? You know, the only reason that, that something seems complicated or hard to you is because you don't understand it. Right? When you understand it, how does it, how does it appear then? Simple. And easy. I mean, you, 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 can go, you can go down to NASA and talk with some of those rocket scientists about some of those propulsion systems and the guys that really know their stuff, to them, it's easy. That's right. Oh, oh, this just does this and this does this and, you, and then you have this and this happens and the thing takes off. Sure, no problem. Now, you try to figure it out. That's another thing. 
Why? Because you lack understanding. I've seen that again and again. Uh, an individual that comes across trying to teach you something and, and, and comes across as complicated and complex, they don't understand their subject. It's the truth. I don't care whether you're talking about natural things or whether you're talking about somebody trying to sell you a product or you're talking about somebody preaching a message. It's all the same. If they can't make it easy and simple to you, they don't understand it very well themselves. But people that really understand something well, they can make it so simple, a child can get it. The more complex, the more complicated, the less understanding. The more understanding, the simpler, the easier. Amen. And you know, I always, in, in, in looking at the Bible and studying things in the Bible, you'll come across things that you don't understand. But I always remind myself when I'm looking at something that I don't understand, I, a lot of times I'll say it out loud, this is easy. My head's going, really? I say, yeah. <laughs> this is simple. Don't make it hard. Don't make it complicated. Don't try to make it all intricately involved and complex, because it's not. You just don't, you just don't see it yet. But it's easy. It's simple. And that's helped me again and again. And every time I've ever gotten light, every time I've ever gotten light, it was always simple, easy. So many times, I mean, you know this, don't you? If you ever got any revelation from the Bible, I mean, when you see it, you go, oh, that's what that, well, it's been there all the time. You want to kind of kick yourself and say, dummy, I mean, there it is. That's what it said. Just said what it meant. Meant what it said. There it is. <laughs> but because of a darkened understanding, you read over it, missed it, whatever, you know. Bible's just full of things like that. Full. For every one thing we've seen, there's hundreds of things in there, at least, or thousands that we hadn't, you see. So we need to keep looking, don't we? And anytime you stand back and scratch your head and go, ooh, boy, that, that's, that's a complicated, you know, out like this phrase, difficult passage. So that's a difficult passage. No, it's not. You just don't understand it. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? No. But just that one adjustment in your thinking will make it easier for the Holy Ghost to give you revelation, I'm telling you. It'll make it easier for him to give you revelation if you won't complicate things for him. But uh, this passage tells us that the mouth reveals what's in the heart. And in trying to help people, we've, I've learned and we've learned that if you want to find out what condition somebody's heart's in, just ask them some questions, certain questions particularly. Ask them some questions and begin to try to hear what they're, what they're saying and what, what's coming out of their heart, and you, be, you can begin to see what condition their heart's in. It used to be kind of you know confusing to me, but anymore, it's real obvious. A lot of times, just, just by hearing a few things here and there, you begin to hear the condition of the heart. And you know, oftentimes people will say themselves what the condition of the heart is out of their own mouth and not even realize it. I know I was dealing with a situation just, just uh, very recently and this woman was saying some things. And I mean, she was, she was wound up. And she was saying a lot of things that I won't repeat. And uh, uh, over toward the end of some of the things that she was saying, she said now... Uh, she said, now, now, I'm not holding anything against anybody. 
<laughs> Guess what? That's exactly what her condition of heart was. You know? You understand what I'm saying? A lot of times it'll come out of people's own mouth even though they're saying it in the negative, you see. You understand? All right, no, well now, now, I'm not trying to get any special attention or special favor or anything, but a lot of times that is the condition of the heart. That's why it comes up. I didn't say always. I said a lot of times. The condition of the heart is revealed through the mouth. Let's, let's take, for instance, a, a prideful heart. Heart full of pride is revealed in constant references to oneself. John 7.18 says, He that speaks of himself seeks his own glory. And the pride of life consists of seeking to impress others with yourself, your possessions, your acquaintances, your knowledge, etc., 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 you and yours. But this is what's interesting. A lot of times it goes in two directions. Did you know you can not only try to impress people with how good something is, but you can try to impress them with how bad something is? You know, oftentimes it's an underlying uh, heart of pride that keeps telling people how bad things are in their life. Now you might have to think about that a little bit. Pride, Brother Keith, because people tell them how bad things are? Yeah. I mean, have you ever heard competitive testimonies? <laughs> they didn't call them that. But somebody got up and said, you know, oh, y'all pray for me. It's supposed to be a testimony. Heard one brother call him an agamony. <laughs> That's a good word for him. Agamony. But they're supposed to be testimonies. But somebody get up and begin to say, well, you know, oh, you know, uh, this happened to me and that happened to me and this happened to me. And somebody else get up and go. You know, they, they, they could say it, they, they don't preface it like that, but they could say, oh, you think that's bad? Listen to this. And a lot of times, did you know, of course it's unbelief, all right, but it's also pride. A, a seeking to impress everybody, hey, you, I've got the worst situation in town. Pride. Seeking of recognition, seeking to impress others with how good something is, how bad something is, etc., etc. So a condition of pride in the heart will be evidenced in the mouth in a continual speaking of oneself. Whether it be good things or bad things, you're still talking about yourself. Condition of pride in the heart revealed through the mouth. Also, of course, doubt is revealed. A doubtful heart is revealed through the mouth. Second Corinthians 4.13 2 Corinthians 4.13 says that uh, as it is written, I believe, therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. The believing is expressed through the mouth. And 
Of course, the negative of that would be true as well. The doubt is expressed through the mouth. And sometimes even though people try to keep what they call a good confession, if you ask them enough questions, it'll come out. You know, if you get them off the little rabbit path. I mean, no, it's not just a matter that I'm saying this phrase or that phrase. It's the condition of my heart. Amen. For with the heart man believes. You know, Mark eleven twenty three didn't just say you'd have what you say. Did it? No. It said if you would believe and not doubt in your heart that you believe that what you say comes to pass, you'd have what you say. Right? Not just a matter of just saying it. You've got to believe it in your heart. And he warned us about the danger of doubting in the heart. Now let me stop and touch on something right here real briefly because the enemy uses some of these things to rob people of their faith. And that is, you know, if a wrong thought crosses your mind, does that mean I'm doubting in my heart? So many times, you know, if, if people, if a wrong thought comes across their mind for just a moment, and they, well, what if this don't work? Or, or what if it doesn't turn out right? Or, or what if this? Or what if that? And the thought just comes across your mind. And so many times the devil will jump up right behind that and say, and you know, the Bible says, let that man that wavers not think he'll receive a thing. The man that wavers, he won't receive anything. Not a thing. And I mean, he'll preach it to you. Not a thing. The man that wavers, he won't receive anything. Nothing. Not a thing. I know the devil knows scriptures. He quoted them to Jesus. But he's not building you up with scriptures, is he? He's trying to tear you down. But see, that's not the case. Just because a wrong thought comes across your mind... That does not mean you have a heart full of doubt. Okay? But the thing is, the Bible tells us to cast down imaginations. Bring every thought uh, captive to the obedience of Christ. To the obedience of the Word of God. If, if it's a bad thought, if it's a doubtful thought, if it's a fearful thought, don't just think it. Cast it down. Say, no, no, I don't believe that. I believe what the Bible said. Amen. If you do that, you haven't wavered. And you don't have doubt in your heart. But, let me also warn you, you can't just go around thinking something half a day at a time without it affecting your heart. You understand? See, just because a wrong thought comes across your mind and you deal with it and cast it down, that doesn't mean you got out of faith. It doesn't mean you wavered. But, if you let that stay on your mind all day and all night, you will get out of faith. It'll begin to affect your heart, you see. Now, now, let me just stop here and talk a little bit about how to get something in your heart. Amen? Or maybe not. Let me, let me wait just a minute. <laughs> Lord reminded me of something else. Let me, let me say this first. Let me sum up some things first. The, the mouth reveals what's in the heart. Amen? I got a sermon I preach sometimes entitled, What Are You Full Of? <laughs> and usually preach it. Don't don't teach it so much. Just just preach it. What are you full of? And uh, I'm not just talking, you know, just just off the cuff. The Bible teaches us that we are to be filled. Isn't that right? Yeah. Go with me. In fact, why don't you go with me to Ephesians, the fifth chapter? Let's look at this verse again. 
Ephesians chapter 5. And all this ties in together. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. Now another way of saying that you're drunk with wine is that you're full of wine. You know, just a drink of wine is not necessarily going to make you drunk, you see. Or even a glass, per se. It just depends on what your tolerance would be to, to alcohol. But you get enough in you, and it would affect you. Being full of wine, being drunk with wine, wherein is excess. He said, don't do that. I mean, no, it's not right to, to, to consume alcohol and get drunk. Amen. And a lot of times people, you know, they, they want to take issue and they say, well, yeah, but it didn't say anything was wrong with drinking any alcohol. It just said don't get drunk. I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue with people about that at all. Well, does the Bible teach that it's a sin to drink? I wouldn't argue about that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take one minute to argue about that. But there are other issues involved here. In our particular culture, our culture, an individual seeing you drink one small glass of, 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 of beverage that contains some alcohol could ruin your Christian testimony. Particularly if you're a minister. Isn't that right? And the Bible, Paul said, if this or that offends my brother, I won't do it. And this definitely falls into that category. Amen. And if folk are not willing to, 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 you know, abstain from something like that for the cause of the gospel, then you question their commitment. Amen. So to me, that's, I wouldn't even argue about that. That, to me, that's not the issue. But, you know, he's talking about here that you should not drink wine and get drunk. We should not seek alcohol or, for that matter, drugs or anything else to get drunk or high. But he gives us an alternative. But be filled with the Spirit. Amen. Now, now, what is it, what part of you is it that gets filled with the Spirit? It's your heart. Now, of course, it'll affect your mind, it'll affect your soul, it'll affect your body. But that's what, I, the, the reason it affects your flesh is because it's spilling over out of your heart onto your flesh. We call it getting blessed. <laughs> and a lot of people bless their hearts. It's been too long since they got real, real blessed. Amen. It's been too long. You know, some charismatics bless their heart. They're just so so stiff about it. Well, we walk by faith. We don't walk by feelings. You must understand, brother. It didn't say we couldn't have any feelings. <laughs> we just don't base our believing on our feelings. People act like you know you're not supposed to have any feelings. It's not important to ever have any feelings. No, you're supposed to have feelings. I'll tell you frankly, myself personally, I will take all of the good feelings that the Lord will give me. I like them. I like them. In fact, if I go very long and don't have some, it bothers me. I, you know. Now, I don't base my believing on it. I still believe the Word whether I feel or don't feel. But you're supposed to have feelings. You're supposed to get blessed along. Yeah, there'll be times that you don't feel much and you just have to walk by faith and believe God anyway. But there are also times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Blessing. I mean, when the Holy Ghost comes and gets in the chair with you. Hallelujah. Yeah, I know He's in you. 
I know He never leaves, but He can also come upon you and move on you. Amen. And I like it. <laughs> I really like it. Glory to God. Amen. But He says, uh, Be filled with the Spirit. What's the next word? Speaking. 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 There's the mouth. What part of it gets filled? Heart. Then what he says? Mouth. Heart and mouth. Heart and mouth. There's a big connection between the heart and the mouth. Isn't that what Romans 10 speaks of? For with the heart man believes, and with the mouth confession is made unto. Amen. If you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, mouth and heart, mouth and heart. Amen. There's a connection between your mouth and your heart, isn't there? And he said, uh, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. In your what? In your heart. Making melody in your heart. In your heart to the Lord. Glory to God. Now, I'll, just, I'll mention this just real briefly. This is, this is an entire subject within itself. But you know, we use the term spirit-filled too loosely. Too loosely. There is one initial receiving of the Holy Ghost, but there are to be many, many following refillings. If you read the Scriptures in Acts, you understand that the people got filled with the Holy Ghost in Acts 2. What did it say? And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak. Out of the abundance of the heart, they were all filled. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You see that? Their heart got filled with the Holy Ghost and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And you keep reading through the book of Acts and that same group that got filled in Acts 2, same bunch, got filled again in Acts 4. And if you keep reading through there, you'll find that, 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 that they got refilled. They got filled again and again and again. One initial reception. One initial baptism. Many following refillings. We need to be renewed and refilled. Constantly. That doesn't mean the Holy Ghost leaves us. He's come to live in us and abide with us forever. But even though He's in you and abiding in you, how many realize you can be more or less filled each day? Depending on how much, how, how much you yield to Him, you can be, you can be quarter full, half full, three quarters full, you can be full and running over. And that's more up to you than it is Him. Because He doesn't change. But we use those terms too loosely. I say this sometimes humorously, you know. Your people say sometimes, you know, well, did you hear about so-and-so, you know? Uh, brother so-and-so, uh, preacher, he, he, you know, uh, he, he ran off with the piano player in the building fund. And, and he's, uh, uh, he, he's a, he's a, a spirit-filled individual. Not that day he wasn't. And probably not several days before then. Because when you're filled with the Spirit, you don't do stuff like that. Are you saying he wasn't saved? Uh-uh. No. He could be backslid, backslid out of fellowship with God. Are you saying he never had received the Holy Ghost? No. Uh-uh. He might have spoken in tongues that morning. Real briefly. <laughs> But then yielded to his flesh that afternoon. How many of you can yield to the devil in the afternoon after you've yielded to God in the morning? Is that possible? 
It sure is. If you doubt it, read the story of what happened with uh, Peter over in Matthew 16. Jesus asked him, he said, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? They said some things. Peter spoke up and said, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. Jesus looked at him and said, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. In other words, Peter's yielding to the Holy Ghost. He got something from the Holy Ghost. He yielded to it. He spoke it out. Isn't that right? He yielded to the Spirit. And uh, later on in the passage, though, Jesus talked about how he's going to Jerusalem and how he's going to die and be crucified. And Peter took him aside and said, uh, Lord, this will not be to thee. One translation says, pity thyself. This, this is not going to be. Uh-uh. And Jesus turned his back and said, get behind me, Satan. Well, is Peter Satan? No. But he's yielding to the devil. Saying these things out that the enemy is influencing him to say. That's where sometimes people get confused about some things because they see somebody yield to the Holy Ghost and then later on see them do something else and they think, well, I can't understand that, you know. Well, hey, they're human just like you are. Well, why'd they do that? Well, why do you do it? <laughs> I get amazed that people say, I've had people say, I cannot understand how they could do something like that. I almost say, hypocrite? What do you mean you can't understand? Well, I have never done that, yeah, but you've done something similar. <laughs> if you didn't do that, sin is sin. Yeah. And the principle is the same. Amen. Amen. How could they do that? You tell me. How'd you do it? <laughs> you know? We, we know how they did it. You yield to the flesh. You override what you got in your heart. And you ignore it. And you just do what your flesh wants to do. And think later. You know how. Now we don't need to do it. Amen. If you've been doing it, stop. Because the wages of sin is death. It'll cost you. It'll cost you. But we know how people do it. We can be understanding. We don't, we don't call wrong right, but we know how it happens. We can be understanding with people. Amen. But God wants us to be full of the Holy Ghost. Full. Full. If you're full of the Holy Ghost, this, the fruit of the Spirit will be prominent in your life. Because it's the fruit of what? The Spirit. And if you're full of the Spirit, you're going to have fruit. Isn't that right? You'll also have manifestations. If you're full of the Spirit. Brother Smith Wigglesworth said this. He said, I don't know whether it's better to know that you're used in a special gift or have a special gift of the Spirit or to just stay so full of the Spirit that he uses just any way he wants to whenever. I like that. And that's, that's true. You, you know, don't, don't, people ought not to be so concerned about hanging a title around their neck or, or claiming this gift or that gift. Just, just get full of the Spirit. Stay full of the Spirit. And what happens, happens. And rejoice. Amen. Amen. God may use you in some ways uh, one time and not use you that way again, but use you in some different ways, you see. But, but things will be happening and good things will be occurring. Get full of the Holy Ghost. How can you do it? Speaking. Amen. That's a key. But whatever your heart's full of, that'll come out of your mouth. We're supposed to be full of the Holy Ghost. Some people, uh, we, we ask the question, what are you full of? Some people are full of, all, you know, different things. Some people are full of jokes and foolishness. How can you tell? It's what comes out of their mouth all the time. Nothing wrong with being funny, but, you know, you can have too much jokes and foolishness. 
Some folk are full of gossip. Every time you get around them, have you heard? <laughs> have you heard about this? They keep up with the latest things, you see. Have you heard? Some people are full of the fashion of this world. The latest. The latest. I've had people correct me about my dress. Well, Brother Keith, that's, that's not in style anymore. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know. Besides, besides that, I didn't have a lot of extra to choose from. I just, you know. <laughs> Some people are more full of fashion magazines than they are the word. See, whatever you feed on and meditate on the most, that's what you get full of. Amen. Whatever you hear and talk about, that's what you get full of. Some people are full of TV and movies. They know, they know all about the latest movies. And you name one, they can tell it to you. I mean, top to bottom. They know all about it. They're full of it. Full of movies. Some folk are full of sports. They know all the players, all the statistics. All of, they're full of sports. A lot more full of that than they are about the Bible. Now, don't misunderstand me. There's nothing wrong with, with enjoying some things here and there, but you're not supposed to be full of these things. You're supposed to be full of God. Remember, out of the abundance of the heart. So whatever you have a lot of in your heart, that's what's going to come out of your mouth. Whatever you're full of. I remember I tell this sometimes humorously. I was, I was at some people's house one time and these ladies were in the back and they were talking about some things and I came in to get me, to, to get a refill of something that I had to, to drink there and, and I came in and when I came in I heard them talking about that so and so, uh, took their, uh, their, their brother's wife and, and then so and so killed so and so's husband and, and, and I mean they, they said several things there and I thought, dear God, you know, and I guess they saw the consternation on my face and they said, oh, on such and such soap opera. And I thought, ah, fooey, you know. I mean, I, but I mean, they were talking like it was, this is real life, man. I mean, this, you know, they're full, they were full of that. Well, they were living that. They were living that with these people. You know, one thing about this, how many know there is enough problems in real life to deal with <laughs> without <laughs> borrowing from a bunch of junk? This imaginary. <laughs> really is. <laughs> We're talking about the heart. <laughs> what's your heart full of? If your heart's full of God, what's going to come out your mouth? You're going to talk about God. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Praise God. You know, the Bible said over in Proverbs, what is it, the 27th chapter, about the 21st verse, I believe, it talks about that, that the, the, the furnace and, and the crucible proves the gold and the silver, but a man is proven by his praise. Whatever he praises, one translation says. Whatever he praises. You can listen to what people praise. That tells you something about their heart. A man's heart's proven by what he praises, what he talks about, what he praises, what he talks about. Who do you praise? Yourself? <laughs> See, some people are full of themselves. We ought to be full of God. We ought to praise God. We ought to love God. Amen? Just full of God. Just full of God. Full of the Word. Not in a haughty, puffed up, know-it-all type attitude. Just full of it, though. 
Amen. Full of the Word. Full of the, and if you're full of the Spirit, we said you, the, the Spirit, of, the, the, excuse me, if you're full of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is going to be prominent in your life. If you're full of the Holy Ghost, you'll be full of love. You'll be full of joy. You'll be full of peace. You'll be full of long-suffering and gentleness and goodness. Amen. Faithfulness and meekness and temperance. You'll be full of these things if you're full of the Spirit. If you're always talking anger and animosity and frustration and vexation, that shows what's in your heart. Amen. I need to get it out and get clear. Get full of God. Now, real briefly, how do you get your heart full of something? Let's say you, you do have a bunch of doubt and a bunch of frustration in your heart. Well, how, how do you get it out and how do you get the right thing in? You don't have to worry so much about getting it out. You can get things out by the law of displacement. You understand what I mean by that? What if you got one glass and it's full of orange juice? But you don't want orange juice. You want milk. But you don't, but, but, but there's a rule. You can't pour it out. You can't pick up the glass and turn it upside down. Is there another way that you could get that glass full of milk? Yeah. Yep. If you had enough milk, <laughs> you just start pouring milk into the full glass. In there, just just start pouring milk into that full glass of orange juice, and what will start happening? That extra volume will start pushing or displacing that orange juice, and it'll start running out. And after a while, you'll have part orange juice and part milk. You see here pretty quick. But if you just keep pouring it, it won't be long until there'll be no more orange juice left. The only thing that's coming out is milk. Isn't that right? The law of displacement. Get full enough of the right thing, it'll push out the bad stuff. Amen. You can get so full of faith in God's Word, there's no more room for doubt. It pushes the doubt out. Amen. You can get so full of the love of God till it pushes your grudges and your animosity and ugliness out. Amen. You can get so full of the joy of the Lord till it pushes the depression out and the anxiety and sadness just displaces it. It may not just happen it's just in a second of time, but you just keep pouring it in, just keep getting fuller of it, it'll start being less and less until there's just a pure stream of joy flowing out. Hallelujah! It works. It works. You can have a bunch of ideas of men, concepts of men, a bunch of junk in you, but just start pouring the word in you. Just start pouring the word in you. Boy, you have a bunch of lies in you and lies that you think and lies that you believe. Just start pouring the word of truth in you. And you, it'll start pushing it out until eventually you'll be full of truth. And the Bible says you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. You'll be free. Hallelujah. How can I get full of something, Brother Keith? How can I get full of something? Number one, take heed what you hear. How do you get full of something? How do you get your, your car full of something? Full of gas. Well, you open up the cap, the nozzle, and you stick you stick the the pump nozzle in uh, the in the in the inlet, whatever they call it, and pump it. How can you tell when it's full? Well, I mean, you could look at a gauge. I know that, but what if you didn't have a gauge? You just keep pumping till it starts running out, and you know it's full. It will start spewing back, kicking back out the mouth. Isn't that right? When it's full. You can do that. You can take the nozzle of the word, stick it in your ear, and you start pumping. 
pop, 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 pop. Am I full yet? Well, is it coming out the mouth? Just, just keep, just keep, just keep pumping, 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 pumping. And when it, and when it gets up here and, and you start getting real full, it starts kicking back out of your mouth. And when you just get overflowing, it'll spew out of your mouth and just fall out of your mouth. Hallelujah! It's the truth! Amen! So if you're not full of the Spirit, whose fault is it? Yours and mine. You see, get, get, get the nozzle of the Word. Keep pumping it in, pumping it in. Well, how much is enough? Just keep pumping till it starts flowing out of your mouth. Amen! Almost without thinking, it just comes up, comes out of your mouth. The word. Every time something comes up, you think the word. Amen. Every time an issue comes up, the word comes to you. Amen. You're full of the word. Amen. Amen. I mean, it's one thing to talk about being full of the word. It's another thing to be full of the word. Amen. 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 And here's the other element: hear it, hear it. Number two, meditate on it. Meditate on it. Think about it. That's a big key to getting something in your heart, and also to getting your heart established. Meditate on it. Meditate on it. If you've got questions about something and you're unsure about something, think about it. Get it settled. Look at the Word. Examine it. Meditate upon it. Ponder it. Think on it until you get all the questions out of the way. Until you get all the questions out of the way and all the, 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 the strivings and strugglings within you until you get them all solved. Meditate. Meditate on the issues. Meditate on the Word. And a key to helping you keep your mind set on that is number three, the mouth. Say it. Say it. That helps you keep it on your mind. And also when you're saying it, you're hearing it, aren't you? So that's a key to helping you in both of the former two elements of say, of hearing it and meditating it, is saying it. Saying it. Talk about the Word when you get up in the morning. Talk about it in the middle of the day. Talk about the Word in the afternoon, in the evening. Talk about it in the middle of the night. Talk about it. Talk about it. Oh, friend, there's nothing like being full of God. There's nothing like being full of God. When your soul is thrilled with the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Nothing else. You don't have to have something to entertain you. <laughs> I mean, you just get right by yourself and just, just have a big time. When you're full of God, full of the Holy Ghost. You can just start praising God and giving glory to God. And so the Bible says the praise uh, tells what's, what's in the man's heart. Amen. It shows what's in his heart. Oh, thank God. Thank God. I don't know about you, but it stirs me up. Amen. To be full. Yes. To be full. It doesn't happen just because just cause of wishing, though, does it? No. What do you got to do? Hear it. Hear it and lots of it. Just keep pumping until it starts kicking back out of the mouth. Amen. Meditate on it. Think about it. Didn't, didn't God tell Joshua, you know, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein night and day. How often? Well, it's either night or it's day. That means all the time. Isn't that right? Just keep it on your mind. Keep it on your Somebody said, you can't do that. Well, apparently God didn't know that. He told us to. Yeah. See, the, the issue is you've got something on your mind all the time. Not a matter of whether or not you can have something on your mind. You've got something on your mind night and day. The question is, what is it? Is it the problem? Is it a lie? Or is it the truth? Amen. But if you keep it in your ear, keep it in your mouth, keep it on your mind, and you stay with it long enough, you get full of it. I said, you'll get full of it. 
And the fuller you get, it pushes everything else out. The doubt, the depression, the, the confusion, the questions, and everything else. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.